It was all about being brothers, our life experience, our mission to cure blindness and our passion to do it. And just the authentic voice that we were speaking in. We came up with this idea, the shop line challenge. What if we took down the entire website, took down the products, the descriptions, the information, you just had a price point and a question, will you shop blind? Hey, this is Brad Manning. Hi, this is Brian Manning, and you are entering a world gone good. A world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we shine the light and find the light in the darkness to prove there is still good out there and lots of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. Here is something good. My first new show in 19 years goes up in just a few weeks. That is right. Happy Birthday McKenna is a dark family comedy I've written and I am directing. I actually started uh, writing this over two years ago. We did two readings and we've now cast it. We have an amazing cast and a great space. One of my favorite spaces is going up at the Hudson Backstage in Los Angeles beginning March 3rd. You can come have a laugh with us, and please, please do. Check out hbmtheplay.com for all info, including tickets. That is hbmtheplay.com. Support local theater. So, my pal Lisa, who runs the website for this here podcast, visit www.worldgonegoodpodcast.com. Like how I said, www. Shows you my age. WWW. It's on the interwebs. Lisa fancies herself a producer because she makes things happen. And that's what a producer does. And so she emails me and she goes, we got to have these two blind brothers on your show, on our show, this show. And I responded, okay, producer person, go get them. And she did. And here we are. Brad and Brian Manning are the good brotherly forces behind Two Blind Brothers. Buckle up because this one is going to be a really fun ride. I have with me two brothers, two blind brothers. We're going to get into all this. I have Bradford and Brian Manning with me. You are not twins. God, no. You would if you looked at us. You you tell one of us is the beauty and one of us is the cave troll. Oh wow! Okay, and as I said this earlier when I first met you, I now know who the younger brother is. That was the younger brother. Who's older here? Brad, you're older, right? Well, I'm five years older, and a little people call me like the smart one of the two blind brothers. Um, you're going to notice um, Brian's really going to detract from our conversation today. So if you ever want to mute him. Steve, um, I, I'd like to vote for that. Yeah. <laughs> this is so amazing because I am the youngest brother, but I'm younger by like a long way. My siblings are way older than me. So I'm sort of like the youngest brother, but an only child. And in a weird way, I like relate to both of you because I can be the bossy one, but I can also be the one who plays pranks on them. Does that fit who you two are? Well, I'll be honest, Brad and I both love a good prank. That's, I think that's more of the issue. And, and frankly, one, I think one of the reasons that when we started this project, it all worked out because we've been goofing around together for 30 years. He's, he was 
tough for the first 15 until I got bigger than him. But after that, we've been best friends. I don't know what happened, but it was really a magical moment. Uh, but yeah, he's, you know, he can be bossy. I'm not going to say he isn't <laughs> bossy in a bossy in a loving way. Brad, do you have any defense to this? Um, look, I'm just here to make sure Brian doesn't screw up. Um, and, uh, it, I, I've already failed. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not doing a good job, buddy. I'm just saying. Okay, let's get a couple questions out of the way that are going to surprise you. Sometimes I like to go in in a weird way. Here's the question. Who is the better brother in an emergency? Oh, Brad. I'll be honest. He's always my emergency contact. Well, it, it depends on what you mean because in an emergency, if it's causing the emergency, it's definitely Brian. <laughs> he's he's not wrong. But I I... I just know he would send land, sea, and air to solve my problem if I ever really needed it. That's awesome. Who's more competitive? Me? <laughs> no, me. <laughs> yeah, there you go, buddy. Come on. Pick up what he's putting down. <laughs> Is one of you more competitive? Is one of you more industrious? Is one of you the, you know, the, 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 the bolder one? You know, I've worked with Brian a long time now. I think one of the things that works well for us is we actually are very similar in a lot of ways and maybe probably is situation specific. Um, But, you know, it's hard to you know what? Let's just say this. Put us in a family monopoly game and (laughs) watch, watch the disaster that ensues. Okay, so who has the better music? Unequivocally pick Brad. Oh, okay. Why's that? I I I love my brother, and there was a, a short period where he just really got into music, and I think that that's lasted longer than uh, than my foray into it. He just he is a much more passionate about his tunes than I am. Just after the podcast, just listen to "Here Comes the Hot Stepper." And um, you'll be in a good mood. <laughs> okay, I'm totally going to go listen to that. That's awesome. Now, you yeah. two gentlemen, you are brothers. You are also, you have, oh, let's talk about Let's get right into it. So something called Stargardt's disease. This is a genetic disease that runs in your family? Yes. So Stargardt's, it's a juvenile form of macular degeneration. It mostly affects your center vision. Uh Actually, a lot of people in the U.S. have macular degeneration. A lot of our grandparents, parents um, inevitably get it. We have a rare juvenile form of it. It's not correctable. Our vision acuity is around like 2,400, which basically means what a normal sighted person can see from 400 feet away. We have to be 20 feet away to see. So um, not good at reading small print. Uh, can't drive and hard to recognize faces. That's very interesting. And when did this start? Brad was diagnosed when he was seven. So oh, wow. uh, Brad's five years older than I am. And so Mar- he had kind of, he failed the kindergarten eye chart. And then our mom went on a two year hunt to try and figure out what the heck was happening to her son's vision. And, and her and my dad got everything from she was lying to he was lying to that there's nothing actually wrong to misdiagnosis. Finally, it took two years, but they, they found out uh, at seven. And then, you know, when I, when I started having bad vision about the same age, uh, it was pretty quickly diagnosed. And what goes through your head, Brad, when you're seven years old and this is happening? Do you remember? 
You know, the, the most interesting realization from that period is the fact that we were so young that it was hard for us to have much of a perspective on what it meant. You know, it's also, there's a degenerative nature to the disease. So at this time, you know, most things we could sort of do that our peers were doing, um, you know, our vision hadn't deteriorated, you know, tremendously. And so what we learned now later on is that we got a lot of our perspective from our parents. You know, we were too young to appreciate what had happened. So seeing their strength, seeing them essentially treat this like, you know, anybody's kind of everyday challenge, you know, they, they really made it a very insignificant part of our lives. And so I think that was the original building blocks of what allowed us to have confidence uh, with it, despite, you know, other people we've met maybe having a different perspective with it. Now you grew up with this, so you started going to, did you stop going to a regular school? Did you have to get special education? Did you have to go to a special school or do you kept going to public school? What happened? Uh, it was very important uh, for our parents that, you know, we would be com- quote unquote competing in the mainstream, whatever that means. Uh, so we went to the same school. We were still enrolling in sports. We were taking classes. I remember in you know, high school, I wanted to take Japanese and, you know, that it never came out of my mom's mouth that, you know, Hey, you know, reading kanji is like very visually intensive. I mean, they allowed us to figure out our own boundaries. Um, that was, that was their style. So you guys had to have some sort of self strength within yourself as well. I don't know. What word am I looking for? Um, courage. Um, <laughs> uh, boldness be it, you got it from your parents but it really like came through in you too did it help brian did it help you having seen brad go through it or did it scare you so it's really fascinating because with a degenerative disease right even when you're a kid and as you get older you know you might you might get over one problem right you might be able to move to the front of the class and sit in your desk and see the chalkboard and then a year later that isn't the case anymore so you have to then get out of your chair and stand at the chalkboard or you might learn how okay i can't recognize people when i'm super far away so i'll wait till i'm a lot closer or i will have to use a magnifier to read my books like Every year, there are different challenges. And what happens when you're put in a situation where, you know, you it's sink or swim, you just you you keep uh, achieving or you keep kind of combating these challenges, you fail at a lot of them, but you succeed at a ton of them as well. You learned this idea that, ah, you know what? Problems are going to crop up. Challenges are going to occur. But at some level, I've beaten these other 50 things. I can probably beat this too. And having an older brother, having somebody who went there before you is profoundly helpful. Because I would see Brad do something. I'd be like, oh, well, Brad played soccer. I could probably play football. Brad took these AP classes. I probably can get better grades in them than he did. That wasn't necessarily true. But I thought it at the time. And that was the real power. And so, and so you know, this, this idea that somebody, somebody had trailblazed ahead of you and that there was an accountability to one another to say, if he can do it, so can I, is a, is a real fire. And you asked that competitive question at the beginning, you know, I wanted to beat him. 
every time he wanted, he started to drive. I drove across this. I drove across a bunch of States. Like he wanted to do X. I wanted to do X plus one. And, and it was really was a, a motivating factor to, to keep achieving. So you got, went into business. Uh, where did the spark come from to start this company? I believe in 2020, you wanted to start a company called two blind brothers. What was the spark? What was the impetus? When was the moment? Brian and I, we have always been close to an organization called the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And we were walking around on a Saturday in New York City shopping. And we were talking about um, this uh, kid named Yannick Duet, who was a clinical trial patient in an experimental gene therapy for an eye disease called LCA, Labor's Congenital Amaurosis. Essentially, this is a disease that causes a few hundred children a year to go blind, you know, by the age of five or six. And this gene therapy, which was in, you know, in the clinical phase, actually restored Yannick's eyesight. So he went from reading Braille to reading print. You know, one of the one of the ways that they measured the success during the clinical trial was the ability to navigate an obstacle course. And the Foundation Fighting Blindness had actually funded the discovery of the gene that then led to the gene therapy. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a big celebration in this community. And so we walk into a Bloomingdale store, the one in Soho. And if you are blind or visually impaired, you know, or like Brian and I, we lose each other everywhere we go. Normally, I can spot him because he does have a very, very visually impaired friendly head. So I can kind of spot him over the crib. <laughs> I think he means that it's incredibly handsome. I think it's like striking. Yeah, it's like a beam of light. It's like a beam of light. Like. That's exactly. Yeah, it's it's like a you know, a halo from on an angel. It really it's it's it's, it's, to, it's to, something to behold. That's exactly what I meant. And so I, so we lose each other in this store, and then about a half an hour later, we walk out. And, you know, I'm waiting for Brian. He comes out. And coincidentally, we had bought this, like, same exact Henley shirt, which was, like, super weird to pick the same shirt in a department store. Uh, but it was all because when you are blind or visually impaired, you pay attention, you know, before you can look at the size, the label, the price tag, whether, it, whether it's a men's shirt made that mistake once, you find out. If you, uh, if you like the way it feels. And so this shirt felt amazing. It was an incredible fabric. And so all of a sudden it hit us like a light bulb. We thought, you know, how do we help the foundation fighting blindness? How do we make this, these donations to research feel tangible? What if this was our way to give back? What if we started a clothing brand with two simple ideas? One, Let's make the softest shirts that we can with this vigilance to touch. And two, let's help find the next gene therapy or cure for retinal eye disease by donating 100% everything that we can make from this back to preclinical research. And so that's when we came up with the idea for Two Blind Brothers. Now, had you ever done clothing before? Meaning, (laughs) do you have a fashion background? Did you go to school you just walked into a store, lost each other, found your gorgeous brother, and walked out and you were starting a fashion line. I'll tell you, I really like the end of that statement. <laughs> uh, 
So, Steve, I, I'll take it a step further. Brad and I didn't have a fashion background. We didn't have a manufacturing background. We didn't have a branding background. We didn't have an e-commerce background. We didn't have a marketing background. We didn't have a content background. We didn't have a copywriting background. I what Basically, anything you can think of that would be productive in starting a clothing <laughs> line, we had no expertise in. Unequivocally, across the board, zero. But you, had a, you working, had a vision. You had a vision. Yeah, good pun. Yep. Uh, sorry, sorry. That was bad. I'm so, oh my God, I'm going to edit that out. Go ahead. I loved it. I love to keep it in. Um, I love a good vision pun. So, but the thing that happened was, and we attribute a lot of this, a lot of our success to, to kind of a few simple things. One, we had great friends and contacts in New York who really helped us find fabric books from around the world. And, and Brad and I would sort through them at a coffee shop in the West Village once a, once a week, just kind of brute forcing, this feels good, this doesn't. And then another person introduced us to a cut and sew on 37th Street in the, fa- in the garment district. This, this wonderful woman uh, you know, put together our first 100 shirts. Brad took it upon himself to build a website. And let me tell you, that thing was a dumpster fire. <laughs> it it looked like, you know when you type in Google and you miss an O and you're like, this website stole my credit card. Like I'm pretty confident. It 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 was it was it was worse than that. Oh uh, but I was proud of him for trying. Oh Google. <laughs> Google.com. Oh Google. Sweet, sweet, steely Google. Uh so so but what did happen, which was amazing, was we had a friend named Peter. Rossler, who is a Starbucks barista by day, videographer by night, kind of a this, this amazing guy who said, hey, I can shoot a video on your story. And we sat down one day and just for like hours filmed this thing. And, and the funny part is when he put the edit together, there was very little about the clothing. There was very, it, but it was all about being brothers, our life experience, our mission to cure blindness and our passion to do it. And just the authentic voice that we were speaking in and uh, we put it out on Facebook and it just went utterly viral on just a, on like a random Tuesday. And it it, it started this whole cascade of media events that kind of brought us to, to here today. Well, there was a little bit, another couple steps here. Now just you randomly went and down to the Ellen show and she handed you a check. (laughs) Don't, you can't leave that part out. How did you guys wind up on Ellen? Was this part was were you still building at this point, or was this further down the line? You know, this is an example of how sometimes just being on the field, you know, unexpected things and opportunities kind of present themselves. I mean, the whole that was a truly transformational moment. You know, you think, oh, okay, one big nice media hit. I mean, at the time we thought like, you know, that's enough to build sort of an entire brand off of. And it was something in between. It definitely was a transformational moment for us. But the way it came about was um, we had done a local uh, news interview here in New York on Fox 5. And even at that point, Brian and I had never been on camera, been on the news before. We thought champagne and sailboats, Fox 5, local news, (laughs) New York. We we thought... like we thought it was like, I mean, we thought game over, you know, this brand is going to be in every home in America. And of course, like, you know, really nothing happens. Um, but then that led to a um, uh, an interview with Now This. It's a social media news platform. And so they did a, they had 7 million Facebook followers at the time. And we thought, oh my, I was like, this is, 
here it comes, you know, just sit back and relax. Here comes the success and nothing happened. And then the thing that did happen is that the Ellen show producer, one of the producers saw that and then they contacted us. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. It was basic. Like they told us, Oh, we're just getting to know you, but they were like recording these like Skype calls and like, it was, it was an audition. We just, they didn't sort of tell us it was an audition. As you can tell, you know, um, Brian is, it's like watching a car crash. Like Brian is just very media. (laughs) That is a tough comparison. Brian, you know, is media gold. You know, you just give him a microphone and just um, step back. And uh, no, but but there was something about our story. There was something about us that they liked. They they had us on, and it was un, it was terrifying. We had never done any, you know, other than the two examples, we had never done any media. It was going to not only bring our project into a broader spotlight, but it was going to personally connect us to our eye condition and to this cause forever. And it was going to be our way of representing this community. So it's a lot of things going on at once, but it was one of the best moments of our lives. Now, there is a website called twoblindbrothers.com. I have explored it and I have some questions for you. You already answered one, which is the Foundation for Fighting Blindness. I want to make this clear. This is a foundation that was already set up. You guys didn't set this one up. Correct. It's been around for about 50 years, a little over, and uh, it's got a great legacy. And were you involved in it at a younger age or when did you find, when did you kind of find onto it, glom onto it, glam onto it? Where the hell did they say? You got me. Glob, I think is the word. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we've all, my parents, you know, originally got connected because their foundation fighting blindness, their mission is to find treatments, pre- uh, preventions, and cures for retinal eye disease. And so they are on top of all of the science, the researchers, the clinical trials. And so our journey sort of started with our parents. And then when we were in New York, we kind of helped with some young professional groups. Um, and then um, um, Brian is what they call a national trustee, and I, I'm on the board. And so we're very, very close with them. Oh, can I just also say really quickly, your parents sound amazing. I think everybody listening wants your parents. Are they available? Are they available to for holidays and or birthdays? Uh, well, I'll tell you, my mom is an extraordinary cook. So I, you know, holidays are a really kind of great time in the Manning household. So, you know, outside of holidays, uh, I think I maybe can work something out. We'll talk offline and, uh, you know, I, I can broker some contracts. They, they really were extraordinary people. You know, imagine you're hit with this thing that, hey, you have two sons who have a retinal eye disease and how do you handle kind of, or they, you know, this kind of life-changing challenge, how do you handle that? And they just, their philosophy, which we still hold today is, is pretty true is, Hey, you're actually a little bit lucky because you know what one of the biggest challenges in your life is going to be. You're going to have this eye issue. And which is great because a lot of people don't find out what their biggest challenges are for a very, very long time. You know, some people are smarter or dumber or prettier or uglier or taller or shorter or whatever you want to call it. You know, you, you once you can overcome this hurdle, you're going to be able to jump everything else. And they they really put that, you know, they put their their money where their mouth is because they allowed us to go out and play sports and and be in school and take Japanese and just 
fail at a bunch of stuff and they were always there to pick us back up and then point us in the direction of something else just because they just didn't they believed that that was the best best path forward you guys keep bringing up japanese i need one of you to say this is world gone good in japanese go well i have to say i haven't taken it now for 20 years um go with chinese (laughs) bradford's fluent in chinese listen here's the thing you could do chinese i won't know you could just say that was Japanese. <laughs> I'll say it in Chinese. Okay, so just your world gone good. Yes, I will marry you a thousand times. Yes, I can't believe this just <laughs> happened. Okay. Uh, now, speaking of family, though, because we're talking about this, on your site, you have a section where you talk about how it helps the blind. And in number three, you talk about you become part of our ongoing growing family. I may have gotten those words wrong. Talk to my audience about that. When you talk about our growing family, how does becoming involved, buying stuff off your site, what does that equate to family? Why why are you using those words? So, you know, when, when I was growing up, I knew one person with an eye disease in my entire life, and that was Brad. And, you know, that's tough because we talked about earlier, you know, you, when you can see trailblazers, when you can see people ahead of you, you can you can take their energy and move forward with it. And when we started this project, uh, I mean, now six years later, I think I've met everyone with Star Guards in the country because we've gotten the media attention. And when you... When we run in this project, people reach out all the time. And I'll, I'll kind of never forget the first, <clears throat> one of the first big holy hell moments was we, we got a we got an email from this kid named Joe. And Joe said, hey, guys, uh, I've, I have I saw your video on the internet. I just wanted to write in. I, I've been sleeping a lot. I'm in college. And, you know, you think, okay. And then the next line is just utterly devastating. He goes, I have retinitis pigmentosa. I'd rather be asleep dreaming in 2020 vision than awake going blind. Oh, wow. And so I've isolated. I, I just, I, I don't, I just, I'm not sure what to do. He goes, but I've watched a lot of your videos. I've looked at a lot of the comments. I see a lot of people out there that are like me and I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit hopeful and reaching out to some organizations. When you get a message like that, when you, when you read those words, the, the project really changed because at first it was make the best fitting and feeling clothing in the world, donate hundred percent of our profits to retinal research. But when you get messages like that and you talk to these families, young and old that are going through some of the hardest times and you can be 1% helpful, the community of people around us it becomes the most important thing. You know, that, that passion to start it becomes a responsibility for them. And they've lifted us up. They've carried us along. They are the reason that we're doing anything at all today. And so whatever we can do to reciprocate, inspire, empower, listen, be a part of is what we're going to do. And and I don't know a better definition of family. So you have something really fun on the site, which is, I think this is amazing. You have something where you ask the question on the site, will you shop blind? Brad, tell everybody what that is. Because this is what I think is the most unique thing that you are – one of the most unique things you are doing. Go ahead. So – and anybody who's kind of 
doing projects out there, you know, trying to make an impact, you know, if you're a brand or you're a charity or you're in media, you know, getting attention and novelty and creativity is like a very, very important thing. And so Brian and I always have fun talking about ideas. And one of the things that, that helped us a lot growing up is these little acts of trust that we could like put in complete strangers in small ways. So an example would be, you know, Brian and I are at a restaurant, seeing the menu is a big pain. So we ask the table next to us, like, what do you recommend? Or we ask the waiter, like, what's your favorite thing on the menu? And, you know, they tell you, and that saves Brian and I from having to like get our phones out to magnify the menu or try to read a braille menu, et cetera. So, you know, if we're in a store shopping, asking the sales associate for help, or if we're relying on, you know, a taxi or an Uber to help us out when we can't sort of see exactly where we are. I mean, these little acts of trust always lifted us up. And so we thought, is there any way to create this experience for the people that are coming to Two Blind Brothers? And we came up with this idea, the shop line challenge. What if we took down the entire website, took down the products, the descriptions, the information, you just had a price point and a question, will you shop blind? And it has been sort of the front facing campaign of our website for a, a while now. People have responded to it incredibly. I think I think they appreciate the the novelty and the creativity of it, but I think they resonate with the story. But it's just been an incredible way for us to like find great like customers that care not only what a company sells, but what it stands for. That's kind of like an interesting side effect from it. We also get a lot of people online who will do unboxings of what they receive. That's for a brand. That's like, you know, an incredible way for us to spread our message. And so um, it's just been wonderful. But what is it? Brian, take it away. Literally, what happens when I click the box? Well, when you come to the website, there's no information. Right. There's no there's no images. There's no descriptions. There's just four price points that ju- and, and a question. Will you trust us? Will you shop blind? If I told you any more, Steve, that would really defeat the whole purpose. Right. right. Can, you know, without without this idea of trust, you got to just click the box, buddy. You got to just <laughs> feel embrace the mystery, man. <laughs> Something arrives at my house. It's hopefully not a puppy or a small child. It's something. Well, <laughs> surprise. Well, don't don't make any assumptions. Right. Okay. Uh, we we've been known to have a lot of fun with these boxes, but <clears throat> I will tell you this: one, uh, products will arrive at your house. Two, Brad and I have put all of our love, passion, energy, and all the expertise of people we can find making these the greatest items in the world. <laughs> and three, you're going to love them. I, I unequivocally, I'm totally unbiased, but you're going to love these more than anything else you own as soon as you open the box. And how often do you trade out whatever it is? Is it monthly, weekly, yearly? About every three weeks. And that's just so if somebody wants to do it again, uh, they have a reason to. Okay, this is cool. So now you have, I think, four price points that I read? We do. And each one is a different, completely different thing or a different level of the same thing. I'm like a detective. Yeah, I mean, I Sherlock Holmes over here. I, why, <laughs> Armand Gamache. Like, why, are, am, I, am I in Glass Onion right now? 
I just no, I just I just finished I just finished a, a mystery novel. Literally, I, this past year, I'm in the, I'm in the edit of it and looking for a literary agent. I'm not even making that up. So I'm all about it. I'm all about a mystery. No, but seriously, is it is it different levels of the same thing, or is it completely different? Essentially, the more you spend, the more you get. Um, it's not just one item. It's usually a mix of items. Uh, even in the lowest price point, we try to uh, put at least two 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 things in there, but it just goes up from there. And a hundred percent of the profit from this goes to helping others. So specifically to preclinical retinal eye disease. Yep. So how do you guys make a living? Oh shoot, we forgot that part. Are, are you not paying us for this? I was pretty con. I thought that I thought I read. Your mom told me that I'm supposed to tell you it's time for you both to move out. I don't know when I'm supposed to tell that. Yeah, well, <laughs> tell her to become a worse cook, and I will. Uh, no, we Brad and I. Brad and I have work outside of Two Blind Brothers that helps keep the lights on uh, in our own homes, and and you know, but and but we pay the TVB staff, and you know, kind of, and have to have all the expenses of a business. It's it's created some really interesting and complex problems uh, for the business because when we first started it, we we just said we're going to give 100% of our profits away and because we really never thought we were, this business was going to be anything. Uh, and when you start, a, you start a business without a business plan, it's always a great strategy. And so, you know, and we've just had to learn, adapt, change and grow each and every day because we've made that commitment. And it's it's something that has become that is the DNA of the brand. It's so amazing. I mean, I've been doing this podcast now for over two years. I understand. I don't make a damn dime off of this. <laughs> I have to do other jobs to make this happen. Now, here's a question I have for both of you. Is this a 501c3? Is this something that's – are you a charity? So I, ideally, we would be because, like you know, we mentioned, um, uh, since we give all the profits away, it, it would actually help us a lot to be a 501c3. The problem is this is like a total technical thing, but if you sell products that compete directly with normal industry, you are not entitled to be a 501c3. So if you started a bicycle company, but you said we give all of our profits away, but you're competing with Schwinn, who actually gets charged taxes, you can't do that. It's called the commercial doctrine. Right. But anybody out there who's like really interested in this, there's a kind of a clever thing called a um, commercial co-venture agreement where you assign all of your profits over to the charity, almost like a, um, like a profit sharing agreement. And that's something that we're, you know, we're in the process of figuring out. But that, that kind of solves the issue for us once, once we get that in place. Guys, what would you tell yourselves if you could get back in a time machine and go talk to little seven-year-old versions of yourself? What would you tell them right now as a, you know, where you are now and what advice would you give them? Brian, what advice would you give yourself? Cake is not a primary food source. Uh, that's... <laughs> it's got milk. It's got eggs. Yeah, there's some <laughs> eggs in there, you know, some good, some good old-fashioned gluten. Uh, no, I uh, I would tell that to them. He was a he was a as a self described husky kid. Uh, but no, I you know it's really interesting. I would I would stick to the same messaging our our parents uh, gave us, and 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 you know the only thing I'd add is hey, there are going to be 
good days. There are going to be bad days. It's going to be tough to get through it. But every time that you accomplish, every time you overcome, every time you do, it makes the next one a little bit easier and you're going to grow up to be an awesome, awesome person. So, so just enjoy, enjoy the adventure, my friend. Brad, what would you tell your little self? Um, so I'm seven, Brian's two. Um, Smother so, him. Put yeah, him in a river. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he, he will get bigger. Um, uh, so, damn it. You know, like leverage this moment. Um, <laughs> um, you, you know, I think uh, one thing that Brian and I have come to appreciate kind of meeting with tons and tons of families now that have, you know, they're recently diagnosed with some condition or just have a sudden situation where they lose their eyesight try you know this actually relates exactly what brian said but but trying to tell somebody you know oh you know your challenges are your gifts and hearing that message you know at at the moment of a tough situation like that 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 does not resonate you know what what does make sense is you know there's a period to get educated to gather your resources but the idea is you know just embrace being a little bit uncomfortable every single day, um, be willing to push boundaries, whatever that means for you in your moment. And, uh, you know, that will reveal all the, um, the creativity, the resiliency, the um, assertiveness that that's required to, to do what you are destined to do. Brian, where can my audience find you online on social media so they can follow you? Where do, what are your handles? TwoBlindBrothers.com is our website, and Two Blind Brothers on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And the last two questions are how we close every show. I'm going to start with the older brother. So, Brian, you get to think about this. The question is this Who inspires you? Brad, go. So, we've mentioned her a few times, you know, and, and my dad, my mom and dad inspire me. Um, uh, you know, people we've gotten to know in this community, Eric Weinmayer, first blind hiker to summit Mount Everest, um, inspires me. Um, Brian inspires me. Um, it's funny cause we're so similar, but it's kind of awesome when, you know, we sort of have one thing over the other and that kind of shines through. So that's been an int- that's been a wonderful aspect of this, uh, journey with two blind brothers. Um, and, you know, I have, a, I have, uh, Brian and I are both dads, you know, over the past, you know, two years now, we both became dads. And in a, in a funny way, my daughter sort of inspi- inspires me because you kind of get to watch the world through the, her fresh eyes and just seeing how fun and engaged and curious it reminds us that, you know, that's what we're here to do and to be more like that. So those are my answers. Brian, who inspires you? Oh man, uh, well Bradford, I'll give you the I'll give you the nod here. He he has a lot of skills that I don't, and I I try and emulate them uh, whenever I whenever I can. You know, mom and dad, obviously, we talk about them at, at length because they're the best. I also like I love Winston Churchill. I think he's kind of an amazing person throughout history, and I am always inspired by people. There's a lot of examples of them who have come who are in moments of enormous crisis and just 
bear the burden and move forward, uh, at, you know, kind of relentlessly. I think it's always an amazing thing to see. Oh, and then one other is uh, uh, a, ba- a lot of these clinical researchers that are doing that spend their whole lives, right? They go to college, they get their master's, they get their PhD, they spend hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours in a lab trying to push science forward without the certainty that it'll even work if it'll ever get funded or anything. And they work for essentially zero for their intellectual level. And they just fight every day because they have a passion for science and they have a passion for the future. And so I, I, that, that, that is really amazing. The final question it's not a question. It's a statement. We finish the show this way every time. I'm going to start with you, Brian. Go to you, Brad, next. Here it is. Finish this statement. Tell me something good. Cake. <laughs> it comes full circle. <laughs> it's just breadcrumbs throughout. I, any, any other culinary references you need. I tell me something good. The world. I mean, people are great. I love them. Every person I meet, I I love a little part of them. So, you know, sometimes it's bigger, sometimes it's smaller, but, but I, I just, I think that people are really a wonderful, wonderful thing. Brad, close the show. Tell me something good. I'd say embracing being uncomfortable. It's how we all um, learn who we are and develop into the people that we're meant to be and not letting a bad moment, a bad diagnosis, a bad, uh, situation in life, um, steal the spirit to do that. Thank you, Brad and Brian for sharing your good So, everyone, who is ready to shop blind? Next time on World Gone Good. Sort of what the mission is, is that through connection with nature, I'm helping young millennial women, women with an X, mind you, and others feeling lost to find their values and find their purpose. Sarah Woodard is asking us all to give a fuck. She's actually been asking that for a while now. Remember, she was on here a while back talking about her Earth and Nature-focused children's books. Well, she started her own company and launched her own podcast, so it seemed to me like the perfect time to catch up with her on all the good she's got going on. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Until then, be good. Be good.